I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations in the name of our Lord. Welcome to another fabulous day and another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. I'm Page, your caffeine-imbued host. Ah, And we're going to be doing something a little different today. I have pre-recorded this devotional so that I can more freely interact with those who are listening to it when it's being aired. Um, so let's get started. Let's get right back at it. Uh Pharaoh and Moses have been having their uh, uh, conflict, and we're as Moses brings these plagues along. Uh, in the beginning, we see the phrase "Pharaoh hardened his heart," and then with greater frequency, the phrase changes slightly, and now we hear, we read, "And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart." Um, that's an important distinctive here, and there's a there's an underlying message here that just keeps coming at me. It, and it's the fact that Pharaoh had an opportunity, whether or not he would ever come to worship God, he had an opportunity that he totally turned his back on and rejected. He wanted nothing to do with Yahweh. He wanted nothing to do with the God of the Hebrews, which is what those people were called. He wanted, uh, he would bow his knee to nobody. Uh, he was considered a God in his culture, one of many, and he would not recognize the supremacy of the God of Israel. And you hear him saying, you hear it, see it written, he hardened his heart. He, Moses would bring something to him, a miracle, a sign, and uh, and say, let my people go. And you'd hear, you'd read the Pharaoh saying, uh, Pharaoh hardening his heart and refusing to let the people go. Well, now we're about, oh, about 50% of the way through these plagues. And now you're starting to see again and again and again the phrase, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now, that has a direct application to our situation. When God hardened Pharaoh's heart, this wasn't just an arbitrary thing saying uh, on his part. Uh, he wasn't playing games with Pharaoh. Pharaoh had opportunity to recognize Yahweh, and he refused. I don't want anything to do with Yahweh. I will not bow my knee to Yahweh. That's, in essence, what he was saying. And so when God hardens Pharaoh's heart, he's merely acceding to the Pharaoh's wishes. You don't want 
to bow your knee to me? I'm going to harden your heart so that you won't. I'm going to give you what you want an eternity away from me because you've made it clear that's what you want. And this applies to what happens on the day of judgment when God separates believers from non-believers. When God says to the one group, enter now into the joy of thy Lord. And he says to the other group, depart from me, you wicked, to the fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And again, this is an arbitrary decision on his part. Anybody who goes to hell is getting what they want. They did not want God during their entire years of existence on this planet. They did not want God. They would not bow their knee to him. They didn't want to. So God is giving them what they want. You, you don't want anything to do with me. I'm going to give you your heart's desire. You're going to spend an eternity without me. And that's a hard lesson to wrap yourself around. And it's taken me a lot of years of being able to come to peace with the fact that the truth of the matter is people go to hell because they want to. Did they raise their hand and say, send me to hell? No, but they did tell God, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want to be around you. I don't want to worship you. I will not bow my knee to you. I don't want anything to do with you. Well, there's only one place where you can be totally free of God's influence and presence. And that's in the place prepared for the devil and his angels. That's the one place in the entire cosmos where God is not. His presence is not there, from what I can understand. He is not there at all. That is the only place you can go in order to achieve your heart's desire to not have anything to do with God. So when you see God hardening Pharaoh's heart, he's giving the Pharaoh what he wants. You don't want me? I'm going to make it so you don't have me. I'm giving you your heart's desire. So let's get started. We're in chapter 10. The Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart. Emphasis is mine and the hearts of his officials, so that I may perform these signs of mine among them, that you may tell your children and grandchildren how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians, and how I performed my signs among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. All right, well, God has a goal with all this. First of all, he's strengthening the Pharaoh, giving him a backbone, so that Pharaoh will stand up against him, in order that God may continue to show his power to Israel. Now, you got to realize, Israel is probably spent the last several hundred years hearing stories about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but not seeing anything fresh or personal until Moses shows up. Moses starts, he shows up as a prophet. He starts showing up and doing signs and wonders. Uh, Think of all these plagues. The first several plagues affected Israel and Egypt, but from the flies onward, the plagues only affected Egypt. And that was so that Israel would learn who God was. That he was favoring them, that he was distinguishing between Israel and Egypt. And they would have stories to tell their children about how God moved in Egypt. Up until now, their distinctiveness as a people was drawn from the fact that they shared common trial. 
They were all subjugated, enslaved, treated poorly. There's nothing that draws people together more sometimes than, than trials and tribulations, a shared trial. And these people were drawn together, and Egypt separated themselves from them. Egypt thought the Hebrews were detestable. So Israel was becoming a very distinct and different culture and people from Egypt. And now they are going to be even drawn closer together because now they will have a shared faith. They they share trials and tribulations. There's a brotherhood there. And now they are having a shared faith because they, as a nation, are seeing God do these miraculous things. And they are now drawn together with a shared faith. Uh, In Deuteronomy... Your son, it says, when your son asks you, what's the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded us, commanded you with the Ten Commandments that, came, that come later? Tell him this. We were slaves in, of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord said, signs sent, signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey the law before the Lord our God as he's commanded us, that will be our righteousness. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will bring locusts into your country tomorrow. They will cover the face of the ground so that it cannot be seen. They will devour what little you have left after the hail, including every tree that's growing in your fields. And they will fill your houses and those of all your officials and all the Egyptians, something neither your parents nor your ancestors have ever seen from the day they settled in this land till now. Then Moses turned and left Pharaoh. Pharaoh's official said to him, how long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go so they may worship the Lord their God. Do you not yet realize that Egypt is ruined? Pharaoh's own team is turning on him now, his advisors. They're all telling him, you're making a huge mistake here. Then Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. Go worship the Lord your God, but tell me who will be going. Moses answered, We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, and with our flocks and herds, because we are to celebrate a festival to the Lord. Pharaoh said, The Lord be with you if if I let you go, along with the women and children. Clearly you're bent on evil. (laughs) No. Have only the men go and worship the Lord, since that's what you've been asking for. Then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. Pharaoh is incredibly stubborn. And the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over Egypt so that locusts swarm over the land and devour everything growing in the fields, everything left by the hail. So Moses stretched out his staff over Egypt, and the Lord made an east wind blow across the land all that day and all that night. By morning, the wind had brought the locusts. They invaded all Egypt and settled down in every area of the country in great numbers. Never before had there been such a plague of locusts, nor will there ever be again. 
They covered all the ground until it was black. They devoured all that was left after the hail, everything growing in the fields and the fruit on the trees. Nothing green remained on trees or plant in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron and said, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now forgive my sin once more and pray to the Lord your the God. Pray to the Lord your God to take this deadly plague away from me. Now, the speed of Pharaoh's action and his confession of sin underscore Egypt's peril. Severe famine threatened. Moses then left Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord changed the wind to a very strong west wind, which caught up the locusts and carried them into the Red Sea. Not a locust was left anywhere in Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let the Israelites go. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand. Now, now get this. He doesn't go back to Pharaoh. He's not going to deal with Pharaoh directly in this one. God tells Moses, stretch out your hand toward the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt. Darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days. Yet, all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. Now this darkness was clearly more than a blinding sandstorm or an eclipse of the sun. It was an unnatural darkness like that associated with the day of the Lord. The Egyptians typically celebrated the morning light when the sun god Ra was thought to overcome the dreaded serpent of hostile chaos and darkness. This supernatural darkness was further demonstration of the Lord's superiority over the Egyptian pantheon of gods. Again, every one of these, every one of these plagues is addressing something very specific in the Egyptian culture, usually one of their gods. This one was against the sun god Ra, a very important god in the Egyptian pantheon of gods. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, go worship the Lord. Even your women and children may go with you, only leave your flocks and herds behind. But Moses said, you must allow us to have sacrifices and burnt offerings to present to the Lord our God. Our livestock too must go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. We have to use some of them in worshiping our Lord our God. And until we get there, we will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Pharaoh said to Moses, get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. Just as you say, Moses replied, I will never appear before you again. Now, I'm going to do chapter 11 because it's, it's really short, but I don't want to stop the story there. Now, the Lord had said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Now, this word for plague, um, it's a different word for plague than was used every other time the word plague was used in this narrative. And I'm not skilled enough in Hebrew to tell you specifically what the distinctive is, but it's like I get the sense that the other word for plague has to do, you know, it's uh, like a sickness, uh, but this would be translated like a blow, like a sharp blow. Um, if this were a boxing match, this would be the knockout punch. I will bring the knockout punch to Pharaoh. 
I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. Tell the people that men and women alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. Now, the Lord made the Egyptian populace favorably disposed toward the people, and Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. The problem is with Pharaoh, not Pharaoh's people. And it, there's uh, Pharaoh is acting in such a manner that, in a sense, is defying his own people and his own officials. His own officials want him to stop, and he won't. So Moses said, this is what the Lord says. About midnight, I will go through Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who's at her handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be a loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All these officials of yours will come to me, bowing down before me and saying, Go, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will leave. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. Now, this is a continuation then in chapter 10, because the Pharaoh just said, You see me again, you're going to die. Moses says, Okay, I'll never appear before you again. And we just step back in time a little bit to the, what the conversation God had had with Moses. And he's still there in the pre presence of the Pharaoh. So in response to the Pharaoh saying, depart from me, you see my face, again you die. Moses said, this is what the Lord says. And Moses is angry now. Moses is angry. He's just pretty much been a messenger between God and Pharaoh. Now Moses is angry. Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. The Lord had said to Moses, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you so that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let the Israelites go out of his country. I think that's a good place to stop for today. We're getting ready to come up on the final chapter of this confrontation between Moses and Pharaoh. It starts off with Egypt versus Moses, with Pharaoh as a mouthpiece. But as these trials, as these plagues roll on, it ends up being primarily just Pharaoh and Moses. Pharaoh's own advisors are telling him, look, let these people go. Get them out of your hair. They're killing us. They're destroying us. And he won't. Now, through the first half again, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Now we're seeing God is keeping his, his heart strengthened enough so that all of these things will be demonstrated about God's power. And, this, and again, this is not an arbitrary use of God's power. God just didn't choose Egypt, you know, uh, throw some dice and say, all right, well, Egypt, you're up. I'm going to destroy you. Uh, let's send my people to you. And then after 400 years later, so we're, we'll, uh, I'll destroy your nation. No, God had a very specific plan. And but Egypt, who and Pharaoh specifically wanted nothing to do with God, so God gave him his heart's desire. If there's one message that comes out of this, it's that that there is a time 
when God will give you what you want. And if you don't want anything to do with God, God will say at some point, then you won't have anything to do with me. I'll make it so that never happens because that's what you want. That's a hard thing. Another message that comes out of this is that God's plan to show Israel and Egypt is found here in in verse seven of this last chapter. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. God is calling a distinct and different people to himself, Israel. They've been bonded together as a people by shared trials and tribulations, and now they have a shared faith in a miracle-working God, a powerful God who is dealing powerfully with their oppressors. And they are going to leave Egypt wealthy, secure, and more importantly, a distinct and different people, a culture all their own. They started off as just roaming uh, herdsmen. They entered Egypt with like 70 members of uh, uh, Joseph's family, Jacob's family. And now they are a huge nation. And they're drawn together by shared tribulation and a shared faith. They are a culturally different people. And you're going to find out something very cool that I didn't realize. Everybody that left Egypt when they leave in the Exodus weren't just the Hebrews. There were other people in their midst. So, and that was that was news to me. But we'll cover more of that later. So, with that, ladles and jelly spoons, thank you for your time. I'm Paige. Here's my coffee. And I am out of here. Bye-bye. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither should my thoughts be your thoughts. You need to think for yourself.